Hello authors, I'm Joanne Morell, children's and young adult fiction writer and author of Short Nonfiction for Authors. Thanks for joining me for the Hybrid Author Podcast, sharing interviews from industry professionals to help you forge a career as a hybrid author, both independently and traditionally publishing your books. You can get the show notes for each episode and sign up for your free author pass over at the Hybrid Author website to discover your writing process, get tips on how to publish productively, and get comfortable promoting your books at www.hybridauthor.com.au. Let's crack on with the episode. and welcome to the podcast. I hope you're all keeping well wherever you're listening in this world. So my personal updates this week. I haven't done a lot of sitting down and writing. It's mainly been the dictation on my travel slash commute to work and I have been focusing on a picture book idea that I had last year and just kind of trying to flesh out the character and work on some of the feedback I received from one of our lovely past guest Jeanette Stamponi but that's really been about it. I have started to think about what work I'm going to put forward for an Australian Society of Authors mentorship. Now the mentorship is open until the 31st of January and I'm thinking I've got a couple of works ready to go and just thinking which one of those I'm going to put in as you can only put one per category so wish me luck and I'll keep you updated there. So you can now support the podcast over at buymeacoffee.com or as always leave me a review on whatever platform you listen to and that will help me in the rankings and for other people to find the podcast. So without further ado let's get on with the episode. Frenet Lassac is an author illustrator creating over 50 books for children she is the recipient for the Muriel Barwell Award for Distinguished Service to Children's Literature and the inaugural Regional Advisor for the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, Squibby Australia West. Frané visits schools, libraries and festivals in metropolitan and remote communities around the world, sharing the process of writing and illustrating books for us lucky authors. Welcome to the Hybrid Author Podcast, Frané. Oh, very excited to be here, Joanne. What a career you've had. It's fantastic. So how how did you start out in the writing and publishing and illustrating world? I never thought I'd be in this world at all. I mean, I always loved children's books and I always had a great collection, but um, I was an artist painting first. and Even that was by accident because I never thought I was a very good artist. I never went to art school. So just the, the love of, of painting uh, to me would be a dream one day to actually be an artist. And it was on a casual interview with a, my very first interview I ever had with a friend. I said, one day I'd love to do a children's book. And it was those words. It was the power of the spoken words. I thought, oh, now I might have to do that. But I knew nothing about making a children's book, about the crossover to illustration from art. There's a fine line because there's things you have to think about, the gutter and the page numbers. So I knew nothing. And I had paintings first. Uh, that I thought maybe I could write a story to go with the paintings. And so it was a little bit hard to get my first book published because I went at it the wrong way. <laughs> Usually a publisher wants manuscript first and then illustrations. Yeah. And so were you like an avid painter as a child and things? Or was this something you developed in high school? or? 
I always just loved to paint, but there was always so much better artists in the class. So I thought, okay, you know, they're, they're the artist. Love to do it. But I had lots of interests, and I think that's a really good thing to have. There's lots of interests, lots of different things, because you could use all that background of your life experiences and interests in whatever field you go into, especially, you know, the writing and, and uh, art world. So, yes, and so as I said, it was a dream to, for me to be an artist. My aunt was an artist, and she also liked very naive art and whimsical art as well. And so I think subconsciously she was a little bit of an inspiration. Oh, that's amazing. So it's in the in the blood. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's awesome. So how, how many books do you currently have to date? And can you share with us, you know, some of the, yeah. the publishers they're with? Yeah, I have about 50 books out. Uh, well, it'll be 15 this January. And wow. I know there's a lot. And I've worked with so many publishers. It's probably over 30 publishers, but um, half of them are my primary publishers, about 15 primary publishers. And the other 15 would be publishers that have picked up the book, you know, foreign, foreign publishers as well. So I've had no direct dealing with them, but I also count them as my publishers because they have republished other titles for me overseas as well. Yeah, so major ones in the U.S. because I first started, my first book came out in England, but then my, that same first book got sold into the U.S. So it's been HarperCollins, which company, by the way, has gone through so many different names. Uh, they had an imprint called Tambourine. They were William and Morrow. They were uh, Harper and Rowe. So many names. Uh, Scholastic, Macmillan's. Uh, Francis Lincoln in the UK, Charlesbridge, Candlewick, Holiday House, Holt, Boyd's Mill Press. I'm thinking Walker here, uh, Lee and Lowe. So lots of major, uh, where I've initiated books with. Wow. You know, people in the olden days that thought you do a book with a publisher and you have to stick with that publisher, which I did do quite a few, like with Harper's, but sometimes you have a book that just doesn't go or they would never publish that book. So you take it to a different publisher. Also, in your contracts, a lot of times they want you to put in a first right of refusal that if you did a book with them, that you have to show them your second book. And if you had a great experience with them, why not? Yeah. You'll go, you do your next book with them. But if they turn it down, then you could also take it to another publisher. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So peddling back to that first book, if you can tell us what it was and, uh, you know, how, in what ways did you, when you first started out as, as an author illustrator, in what ways did you start going out to earn an author income with your very first book? Okay, so my very first book came out as The Little Island with Macmillan in the UK. And then it came out with in with Harper, which was HarperCollins, which was <laughs> Harper and Row then as My Little Island. Now, the key to the success, because that first book put me on the map, was the contract. What rights I gave the publisher. So I kept the U.S. rights. So when I got, when I sold it to the U.S., I got a whole nother advance my very first book when I signed with Macmillan, by the way, I got a hundred pounds, which is nothing. But I just want to see my book in print, and I, and the person who did my contract just ripped it apart. And I thought, oh my goodness, it's my very first book. They're not going to go for what you've just done to that contract. And I really so scared, handed it to back to them, and they said, no, okay, signed, signed it away, which gave me that income that I probably wouldn't have had if I gave gave them all the rights to that book. That book 
got picked up by a pro, by fortuitously by a program called Reading Rainbow, where they take a book and they put it on TV in a series. It was a series in the states, still going, called Reading Rainbow. And every time the show broadcast, nine million viewers saw it. Also, Kellogg's Corn Flakes put it on this uh, as a bookmark on the side of a cereal packet, so kids, if they finished their cereal packet, could cut out the bookmark. Oh, I mean, wow. this. <laughs> it was just all these amazing things that happened with that first book. And then I got asked to do other books after that. So having the first book is a whole thing about credibility, but it's also very important. Uh, how those, those contracts, what you're giving the publisher, what rights you're giving them, what you're keeping, which also goes back to the idea we might touch on later about the fairs where you could sell your books as well. Yeah. Is it, it's probably changed quite a lot today, I would imagine, contracts from then to now. And because um, the US, that's amazing that you got to keep those rights because that's a, such a massive market as well. Well, nowadays, most publishers want to keep the world rights. World rights, yeah. And um, so that's a big uh, thing to negotiate. But also, it depends if you have an agent, but getting an agent is also really hard to get. And we might touch upon that, or I'll say it now. I mean, I had 10 books out before I could get an agent. You're very lucky if you could get one early days, and people do. I mean, there's so many uh, authors and illustrators in West Australia who, just even before their first book, they've been able to sign with an agent, and they do a lot of those world rights selling. They have agents in other countries that will take that book, and uh, they're sub-agents, and they will get it translated. Fremantle Press here in West Australia is really good at that, selling foreign rights. Yeah, that's fantastic. So selling foreign rights is generally just uh, your publisher selling your book onto other publishers, I take it? and In other countries yeah. in translation. Yeah, fantastic. And that also goes back to the contract um, that you sign. And it's very hard here in Australia to get this, that when your publisher sells your book into another country, when, you, when you're an author and illustrator a book, you get 10% of the, of the retail sale. If you're sharing it, one's an author, one's illustrating a picture book, one gets 5%, the other one gets 5%. But if So if it sells into another country, sometimes these other publishers, your main publisher, 10% of 10%, and you get 10% of that 10%. So you're only looking at, you know, 20 cents on your book as opposed to $2 on your book. Wow. So that's a really tricky one. I don't want to confuse anybody, but... What you want is when your book sells overseas that you still want to have 10% of the recommended retail price of selling that book in that country. Yeah. And so the your publisher here, when they sell the foreign rights to the other publishers, do they just deal with your publisher directly rather than they don't then deal? You're not dealing with a foreign publisher that all goes through your publisher? I don't talk to anybody. Yeah. No, my, I, either <laughs> yeah. my agent yeah. or, my, um, or the publisher does it all now. Right. I don't. Yeah. And, they, and hopefully I get good news one day. I mean, one of my books sold into another country over 20 years later. You know, yeah. it was like, surprise! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. So how, how many books, you, you've said before that it took you 10 books to get an agent. How many books do you think, or well, obviously know, that it took for you to make a full-time author income for what? meet your needs as a full-time income to be comfortable and, and achieve the things that you want to achieve in your life with kids and all the rest and how, how many books out of those 50 do you think it took for you to say oh yeah this is my full-time job now 48 no well look uh, well and there it goes back to a question like in what ways can an author make income starting out even with their first book 
Yep. So what I did with the first book, I mean, you could do lots of things like make prints or cards that you try to sell to make a little bit of income. The biggest thing, a moneymaker for authors and illustrators nowadays is uh, public speaking, going into schools and libraries. Yeah. And so getting a, a routine, to, watching other authors illustrate how they present their books, because you could sell books that way, but also um, that fee to go into schools is very uh, fruitful. I mean, I think half my income for a long time or more was school visits, public yeah. speaking. What about um, just from, from the book standing, I suppose, just the book alone, you not having to go out and promote it or anything, Do anything like that? Just the yeah. book itself. So the book maybe being out there, working its magic itself and you okay. not so much having to go out, I suppose, is, is well, that a thing? Yes. <laughs> I mean, you really have to get reviews or else people don't know about the book. And getting reviews is even harder and harder because a lot of newspapers now have cut out doing children's book reviews. So what's, what's new, though, is social media influences that will promote your book and so getting there and lots of shares so that was nothing from the past this is all new so getting your your book reviewed with anybody on social media that has a great following doing that going around to bookshops introducing to yourself oh yeah we're talking about traditional books there not self-published because it's hard to get those into bookshops sometimes we'll touch on that later but um (laughs) I think just making yourself known, uh, make yourself available. Find out uh, with that first book any special days, like you know, if you have a book about a whale shark, where, you know, International Whale Shark Day. And yeah. I think those there's an little in, things. There's an international day for probably just about everything, isn't there? <laughs> I think yeah. if you actually yeah. look it up. <laughs> the other thing is is specialty sales. And this is something that sometimes your publisher doesn't do. Just say you have a book out. The rep goes around to all the children's bookshops, maybe a couple of museums or art galleries, and say, here's our list. But if you find a specialty shop that is niche to your book, like say, my next book, we have a scene of a dinosaur stampede in Winton, Queensland. Well, there's the Iramonga a dinosaur center. Now the rep's not going to contact them for one. It's not feasible. So I made a list of all the specialty shops because there's 14 different places in the book where the book will probably fit in really nicely. And so I I felt like I was an intern for the publisher, but here they are. Here's the, this museum is like perfect for this. So the Great Ocean Road, there's a Great Ocean Road interpretive center. There's a scene at the Great Ocean Road. You know, here, because uh, we did a book called The Legend of Moondyne Joe, Fremantle Prison takes 100 copies at a time. That's awesome. Yeah. So if you, so you have to figure out what book, what links you can make, and you, you have to help. And this was something that never was. The uh, marketing department would just do everything. But now they also expect you to promote as much as you can doing social media. So with one book, you have to pull out all stops. You have to think laterally. And you have to figure out. Also, another idea is class sets. You go, you know, you know, certain schools. Maybe you offer them special. If your school buys a class set, I'll come in or I'll do a Zoom visit for thirty minutes or twenty minutes uh, just to explain the book. If you if you buy a class set, so maybe some things like that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Like a like a class set, like a box set. Is, is that like, like a box eight set books, ten books? Yeah. Well, a lot of schools when they buy a class set, it starts at eight, but some schools buy twenty books. Fantastic. To use in the class. So each kid is sitting at a desk, maybe with a partner on their own, with the book, and they go through it and they study it. So that there's that's where teacher's notes come in. Mm. If your publisher doesn't make teacher's notes, 
maybe you can make teachers notes to go with your book. So, and also have all the stuff available online. You know, you really, having a website, even for the first book is so important. And then you could have links to download the teacher's notes and links to where to buy it. And then you can put your reviews up there and everything else. Oh, you've got a wealth of knowledge, which is great. So, I mean, <laughs> well, we'll start with the biggest question, which is what are all the ways you can make a living as an author from your books? As in yeah, you've, so, you've written it and now how do you make money okay. from this thing? Well, as I was mentioning, school visits yep. is huge. Yeah. Um, I, that, I suggest, sorry. Sorry, I was going to say, so school visits, can, is that even, is, is that all, is just for the children's, children's writers out there? Can, do you think that other people who have written other things can, can come into schools as well? Or it's more just the children's, children's fiction? I think it's children's. It depends. Yeah. If you're, if your book is for a YA or middle grade, Yeah. but you do have to, there's a different organizations that uh, you can go under the umbrella to get the invitations to school visits. Some places who uh, organize school visits want to see you, how you work with children first. So whether you make a video for them or you actually do free freebie at your uh, someone's school that you know, whether it's your own children, someone else's children, how you present to kids. Because I said, as I said, mentioned, it's really lucrative. I, I always say join the ASA, Australian Society of Authors, even... Because if you're going to be quoting the, their rate when you do do school visits, you should really be a member because they offer it. Yeah. Well, let me also mention book fairs. The thing about book fairs and getting your book in that is Scholastic has a huge monopoly on book fairs. It's a really good way to sell your book and make a living, but you have to get into Scholastic book fair. But the other things that you should join and sign up for is Cal, Copyright Agency, ELR, Educational Lending Right, and PLR. Uh, public lending right all these are online so all you have to do is google them and every year they you don't know where it's happening but they uh with the elr and plr they're counting how many times uh they're being le- uh, lent out from the school library or from the plr the public library education elrs the schools and every june you'll get a check <laughs> for that income so that is like a blessing to authors yeah i know some authors who have like 300 books out now every year they could buy themselves a brand new four-wheel drive it's like <laughs> no so no if you have one book out it takes a while yeah. to get something from it but the more books you do the more elr plr you got copyright agency is a little bit different because Every time your your work is copyrighted, uh, sorry, copied in a school library, it might be an image, it might be some text. It's all everywhere. You'll get they'll accumulate that. But I think that's also random. It's random, <laughs> but oh yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, <laughs> well, so, interesting. Wait, I just learned last night. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say back back with the e um the l- yeah, lending rights. Sorry, yeah, those ones. Is that every school library and every public library is a part of that, or do they have to sign it up? It can for that? be a part of it, but we don't know which school libraries and which public libraries have been selected that year. <laughs> yeah. If we knew, we'd be in there borrowing <laughs> our books every taking oh, it out, yeah, putting it yeah. the next day, taking it out, putting it the next day. <laughs> yeah. so it's top secret. I've got a friend who's recently independently put out a work and a children's book and she's gone to a library who have offered to buy some copies of her book so they they buy them outright but that's that's it then so there's no lending rights there that's why I was just wondering if it was all of them or if it was some of them yeah you have to have copyright in your book otherwise no there's no ELR PLR right okay yeah in fact, they might even be able to collect yeah. on your book. Right. Okay. So is, publishers, is... 
apply and they also get a royalty, the publisher from yep. those uh, lend- lendings. But for authors and illustrators, this is a huge thing. Not every country in the world has it. The UK has it. The US, US? doesn't have it. No? Oh, so wow. No. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, no, so it's, right. it is a great thing. It sounds like a good thing. So when you say the book needs to have copyright in it, can you explain that? How, how you okay. explain that? So when you, when you get a contract, most traditional publishers, the majority is uh, the work, you know, say in the contract, the work is copyright in your name, which means you are only giving them the right to make a book out of it. You might also give them the right to do audio recordings, but you'll get a percentage of, you know, of that. But you're only selling the rights. That book is always copyright. Those words are always yours. Yeah. Okay. Some publishers and some self-publishers that say, you know, we'll publish you a book, they try to keep the copyright. And so that's not good. Your copyright is the most valuable thing uh, for a creative. You just don't want to ever give up your copyright. Mm. Sometimes a publisher will offer you a flat fee and they'll take the copyright, but Look, there might be an instance where you really want to see your book out, so you'll give away your copyright, but they could do whatever they want with your work. They could alter it. They could change things. And it's, you know, I personally, I've never sold my copyright on anything. So I'd, I'd be really uh, wary of that, of, uh, uh, of doing that. So for ELR and PLR and Cal, the copyright has to be in your name. Do you feel like if you don't, some publishers, they want that, and if you don't give it to them, have you had any say, well, well, we can't have that. We don't want the book type of thing. And you've lost out yeah, from that. Think, or, well, you've not lost out because you've retained the rights, but it, it yeah, turns them I off. Think, mm, see, I don't know. See, if someone really wants to desperately get their first book and something credible in their hands, that's where it's uh, tricky because they're finally, you know, there's a book. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I just, I think in the past there was a couple of things where I think I did some sort of, not a book, but like a calendar for a beer company or something in the Caribbean. And they wanted four pictures, but they wanted the copyright of it. And I think maybe I sold it then. It's not common. Yeah. The other thing that comes to mind, it's, uh, you know, Jim Henson, the puppet, oh, yeah. pu- Muppets or whatever he did. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah. I, with his copyright, I read something about Kermit. He would not give Kermit up from the big executives calling him and they wanted Kermit. And he was like, Mom, sorry, I'm just we must have known like our Kermit yeah. was close to his heart. And, they, you know, throwing it all well, we're not taking it's like, well, don't take it then. Yeah. And they let him keep Kermit. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's so cute. Yeah, I, I, love, I love Kermit. Yeah, so I'm, I'm being wary of these companies that say they're going to publish a book and they're going to promote it and they're not vanity companies, but what, you know, and the fine print there is that you give them copyright. Yeah, so just watch out for that as well, yeah. The majority, I'd say 95% of traditional publishers who are reputable will not ask you for your copyright. Yeah, Yeah. no worries. So the, I'm going to say ELR and PLR, is that right? (laughs) I don't know what I can't say. So that's a yearly annual check you'll receive then that every year yeah, yeah that's nice yeah. that's a nice bonus and I, yeah. I don't know if it, I don't know if it works with self-published or not because uh, I know one of the first questions they say are you self-published uh-huh. and if you say yes I've never ticked the box to say yes to see what happens below okay yeah so, so if know, I, I tick the box yet it might say you're ineligible or whatever or maybe you still are eligible I never tick the box to see the drop-down menu, what happens after that. So I'd be curious myself. Yeah. Well, but it I, takes... 
a while for a PLR to ELR to click in. So if you have a book that's published in 2021, probably not going to see any ELR, PLR to 2023. Well, do these libraries, they buy from catalogs? Is that correct? Is that they would find your book on a catalog and then order it obviously in and then you get your lending rights there. So I guess anybody who is independently published that is on these catalogs, I don't see why they shouldn't get the same rights back or something, you know? I think the person has to go um, apply with uh, to the ELR and PLR and see what happens individually. Yeah. Library's not going to do it for you. Your publisher's no. not going to do it for you. Your book sitting behind you there mm-hmm. should be registered on Cal. Yeah. You yeah. might be having money sitting there for your book that you published yourself. Oh, it's um, it's not it's not even ready to go yet. So. Okay, okay. When it's when ready, it is, I will do that. Put yourself on Cal. <laughs> Okay, yeah. And is that, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Awesome. That's the copyright agency. Yeah. For some people yeah. with your book might photocopy stuff out of there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, libraries mm-hmm. buy books from library reps. Right. Their distributors, buy, the library board buys from. Ah, okay. Yes. Mm. So do they come in and have a meeting and be like, oh, we've got this new one. And <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was I just a catalog. I've, I haven't experienced it, but what I assume is like, just say like the city of June de Lop has, or maybe just the state library here has, I don't know how many libraries they have the state in West Australia, That's but they lot. might buy, you know, a um, hundred copies or more yep. to distribute through their library systems. Yep. So, or city of Joondalup, I think they have, I don't know how many, I can't even say, a ballpark figure. If I throw five, ten out there, I'm not sure. But they'll buy that many copies or they'll transfer them between libraries. So not every yeah. library branch will have it. But they, so the bulk buying is done at a higher up level, not an individual library. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So, so more rather than approaching individual libraries, you should probably go to like the city of council yeah, or something yeah, like that something. i could i could be wrong individual libraries may be able to put it into their circulation so and I'm, I'm thinking now they might probably do but i think overall to yeah. what the main way to be doing it yeah, is yeah. that they there's buyers for them they don't yeah. sit there and tick off every book they want no and then it gets transferred between but yeah. i don't see why you couldn't go to your local library and see if they'll put it in their system yeah that's it and same thing with the local schools yeah they might but probably for free <laughs> Yeah. Well, schools that? buy schools buy their books individually each school library they buy them individually and also they get something called australian standing order aso now to get your book on aso is brilliant because what they do they buy three thousand copies and they set out in a pack to a school and the schools buy the whole pack oh that's great yeah fantastic yeah. So we've got the school libraries and the public libraries, and you mentioned the book fairs. Yeah, the book fairs is hard to get in because Scholastic is a monopoly on book fairs. There's a couple of smaller companies now coming up who conduct book fairs in schools. So if you get your book in with them, say, hey, take my book to the book fair. You have to sell uh, your book at a high discount at book fairs. You get a right. much lower royalty, also with a strain standing order. But what it does, if you just say you sell your book to Scholastic for the book fairs, or these other companies, or Australian Standing Order, that book is in the system now and could probably earn more with ELR. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's definitely worth checking them out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What about um, the big book fairs that are held you know, annually, like things like London Book Fair. I know you've been to Bologna. And uh, what's the 
is the Frankfurt Book Fair as well? Those are some of the really big yeah. ones. Um, yeah, that's a, that was I just done recently. Yeah, are those kind of worth it? Are these kind of book fairs? Are they are they more just industry events, or rather than to sell books, more like a networking yeah. thing? They are industry. They are there to sell books. But what is your place there is the big question. What is one's place there? Because it's usually the publishers are there selling their lists of books. As an individual author, it's really hard to get an appointment with, um, say, look, here's my manuscript on the, you know, how are you going to give it to them? They, they're, and picture books are easy. Illustrators, it's easy. The flashier work in front of someone at these big book fairs. I'm an illustrator. This is what I've done. But it's for authors, it's really hard. There's nothing visual for these people who are, have back-to-back appointments. They are useful. They could be useful if you already have a book out and you want to sell them to other countries that you go around and try to get an appointment on the stand, whether it means hanging out the stand for a gap or um, to show your book. A lot of them then will want a PDF sent to them afterwards for a closer look. Right. But for an author with a, with just a manuscript, really hard to sell. Oh, yeah. yeah. More maybe the independent authors could, like them being the publishers themselves, That's would they be able to maybe get in there and have a look or might be worth it for mean, them? Um, what do you mean, the independent authors? like? So like, like myself, I guess, with, the, with this book, you know. Um, yes. Yes. writing it editing it uh, getting it made through ingram spark or whatever and then having that here and then therefore i'm there out there trying to promote it but effectively i'm my publisher so yeah yeah well that's visual they could see the yeah. book that's great okay Fantastic. yeah so it's finding a distributor then yeah. for that country to get in there and Oh, goodness, I have so many ways. Because I've, I've been to the Bolognese Book Fair three times now. Yeah. It's massive. We're talking yeah. like football fields big <laughs> and trying to get appointments. My first Bologna was in the 90s, and we set up all these appointments back-to-back to be able to show. We had three books that went out of print, so we had the three books. We had the film. We had the rights That's to cool. try to sell those rights. So and, apart, apart um, the, um, publishers and agents and things? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, publishers from all these different countries and places that try to sell the book. And the book fair only goes for three days. So the night before, we were flying into Bologna to go. And I I got the times of the flight wrong. So we missed our flight. Oh, no. Which means we couldn't get there after all our appointments. And so... My, I think my husband, Mark, who's an, also an author, Mark Green, was going to, I don't know if he was going to kill me. He couldn't. We were staying in someone's house because we were stuck there. He's going, wow, how'd you, how'd you mess that up? I don't know I did. I thought 10 o'clock was 8 o'clock. 20 hundred hours. Isn't 20 hours 10, 10 o'clock? No, it's 8 o'clock. Anyway, some of the appointments were able to reschedule. We had no luck selling those books. And it was very, um, there were so many people there. You just feel like this big. We went again the second time, loved it. We embraced it, made a lot of contacts. Yeah. We couldn't sell anything that we had. I was showing books that I had out in that I had the rights for that went out of print to different publishers. One yeah. African publisher said, yes, we'll take it for, it was like two African countries, whatever. It was wonderful. Yeah, so things like that. Another time, yeah. uh, the third time we went, a publisher tried to show them something. They said, no, but I have a manuscript you might be interested in um, doing. And right. then that led to two books. Oh, fantastic. So things do yeah. happen at the book fairs. Yeah. 
Yeah. So really the book fairs is is more sort of industry related. There's lots of publishers there. So they are sort of showing their wares to other publishers, um, maybe to get into different countries, like you said, the, the foreign lending rights or yourself mm. uh, with uh, books that have you, you've attained the rights back. So you're there trying to get another publishing sort of deal with publishers so that's that's one way for that that's great so how about um obviously speaking about your books you've mentioned in schools um school visits and libraries and things like that what about things like festivals writing festivals and just different festivals in general are those quite good ways authors can make money there or are they kind of invitation only a lot of them are invitation only but you could try to pitch yourself to them because festivals and conferences are one of the best ways to sell books especially right after you do a talk, if you get invited to talk. The publishers will pitch certain authors for certain festivals with the tyranny of distance. If you're living in uh, an eastern states, brilliant, because there's no airfares most of the times involved. But if you live in a place like West Australia, it's a tyranny of distance where it's going to cost them a lot more money to bring you over for a festival or a conference. A lot of these festivals, you'd have to pitch yourself at least a year in advance that's as soon as they first their one ends they're already the following weeks looking at the next one and who they're gonna ask so if and you if you get approached for a festival that is say over east you live in western australia you would expect them to pay for you to go over obviously yes <laughs> okay yes you would yeah. in here in west australia are used to be called dca department of culture and the arts now it's called department of Oh, goodness, it's a long one. D-L-S-G-I-I-C. I'm going to butcher it. Basically, I'm going I'm to still call it DCA. Because if you Google DCA, you still get the new department. It's sports and arts and everything all mixed in one. They used to have a travel grant where if you got invited to a festival, you could apply. You have to get letters of support from the festival, the invitation, and why you need to go to this fair and what's this festival and what's this going to do for your career. It was called Art Flight. That's no longer. But you can apply. There's a grant there for uh, under 15000 uh, that I'm not sure if you can use it for travel anymore. I'm not, no, probably not overseas travel, maybe domestic, but also for research and development as well, yep. which is really crucial sometimes for authors when they're writing books or illustrating books is to go to the real place or having to go somewhere for other um, research documents. Yeah, well, but that was as um, far as funding. Yeah, so it was always appealing to other to interstate festivals. Hey, we could have you. Can you apply for that grant? I also used grants when I've had to go overseas to for research. Oh, I was invited to speak at the American Library Association right before COVID, 2019. It was a huge conference. We're talking like ten to 20,000 delegates wow. passed through there. Yep. So it was very important for me to go there. And, I, and also I was going to be receiving an award. So that also looked good on my application. Yep. So if you put in these applications for creative grants to mm. support you, you know, to undertake specific work, there's research and development ones. What you have to do is have great letters of support. You have to really read the guidelines really good because with your support material, there's only like 10 documents or 10 things allowed in one area or a video here. And if you cross over by one sheet of paper, you get disqualified. You're ineligible. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. So all that stuff is really tricky. But there are also Cal, Copyright Agency, also offers grants and support yeah. if you want to uh, do something that's important for your career. 
so with the festivals it might be worthwhile even if you do the airfare yourself to go there find yep. a friend or a relative a relative of a relative to stay <laughs> with to yep. make your aunt presence here yeah. because it's really good to get a national base to people that know you exist yeah no that's fantastic so with the festivals and then um so say you go over there or obviously they do pay for your fare do you, with festivals in general do you do you get paid up front or do you get paid after you've spoke or it's, how does that generally work yeah yeah you get paid a fee uh and you get paid at the end at the end yeah. so you'll okay. get paid for your sessions or yeah. Yeah, yeah. So some festivals are just so, I mean, there's so many festivals every year. Unfortunately, last two years, it hasn't, everything got canceled. But there's uh, one in Ipswich. There's the Somerset. So there's, what's that one called in Ipswich? It's the Storytellers. something like that yeah yeah Ipswich is great and then there's Somerset is brilliant and famous and then there's a Whitsunday Islands which is really in Mackay it's not actually on the islands it sounds good that it's on the islands (laughs) and then of course in West Australia there's Scribblers yeah and then there's the also things like the Sydney Writers Festival, the Melbourne Writers Festival, the Perth Writers Festivals. So a year in advance, or whether your publisher pitches you or whether you pitch yourself, you have to get in there and uh, and give some ideas what you might do in a workshop. And it's always timely if you have a book that just recently came out, or is it going, or maybe even opportunity to launch it there. Yeah. And have you done since COVID hit and obviously a lot of festivals have been cancelled or haven't happened? Have you done a, a much online festivals or online events? Uh, yeah. 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 A lot of it's gone online. Yeah. But I've been so lucky, Joanne, the festivals I've been. I've, I mean, yeah. just to blurt some out, I don't want anybody, I'm not doing it because I'm showing off, but Edinburgh <laughs> Writers Festival. Oh, Amazing. wow. Beijing. Yeah. Writers Festival, amazing. Ubud Writers Festival. Brooklyn Book Festival. There was even a festival down in the little island of Montserrat in the Caribbean Festival that we got to go to. So So it's been like Tokyo. My God. So there's been a lot of amazing festivals that are out there too. But for those festivals, you really have to have a body of work to um, to come. Oh, Squibby has festivals. Sorry, (laughs) they have conferences. But if you have a really good idea, you could actually present at a Squibby festival, the big one, the conference. There's one in LA, one in New York. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 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 That's fantastic. Wonderful. So... You've, you've touched on grants as well to support, you know, if, if you've got to work and, and you need some help to, and obviously travel as well. So so the, the things with grants, um, you can apply for travel. And if you're undertaking work, is there any other ones that are out there for creatives to support them while they're writing or anything that's that can help authors or not so much? I, I'm not sure. I know that uh, Cal has a grant and yeah. whatever the DCA is now called has their grants under 15s and there's also over 15s and there's community grants in there. If you go to their website, they list so many different grants. Yeah. I'm trying to think who else. I think the the far, uh, there's the John Far, not John Forrest, um, Twiggy Forrest has a grant of, of a writing grant. Then there's also, uh, what's the one where um, May, May Gibbs Oh, yeah. uh, different uh, cities they have a residence yeah. and they will pay for you to go stay there and write for three weeks and you might yeah. do one or two school visits yeah those are brilliant because you get away from everything for two three weeks and you're head down yeah. hunker down and work on your books what about um these also there's not a grant this is just another I don't know if it's a way to make an author income. Do, do you get paid to do like author residencies through like the writer centers or anything like that? 
Is well, it Varuna? Like yeah. yeah, that's one. Yeah. It is one where you're going, you're staying there, and they're not giving you a fee, but you can do a couple of visits to help subsidize yeah. your work while you're over there. Yeah. And then, of course, are there, where's the other one? Um, does it Rocking WA have one? I don't know if they do. There's fellowships. There was something oh. with um, Writing WA. But they would have yeah. a list. Every yeah. state library's writer's center will have a list of uh, grants and writing opportunities. Yeah. And there's overseas ones, too, where, you know, you, it's not per se a grant. You won't get paid, but they offer you a residency in Paris or the south of yeah. France or Japan. <laughs> and they, oh, That's right. There used to be one called Asia Link. I don't know if they're still going. That was brilliant. Yeah. If so, if you wanted to do your book is set in, in Japan or Vietnam or Thailand yeah. or China, they would, you work through there, you stay at the university and also you do a couple of courses there, but it gives you an opportunity to study and also work yeah. on your book in that country. That sounds fantastic. Definitely check that out. Yes. <laughs> also India, you, you used to be able to go to India with that one. So I'm not yeah. sure if it's still running because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. But Asia Link was a good one. Yeah, no, it does sound good, doesn't it? So um, overall, what are your tips for first-time authors looking to make a living with from their books? Do you have any sort of do's and don'ts or just any advice to share that you've already shared a plethora of advice already? Um, I think having more than one book out does help. But if you only have the first book out, I think really start branding yourself from the beginning. Get a author brand and and my first when I my first book came out there was no internet I mean there was no, nothing so this is all new this whole social media thing now I don't even know how old social media is now is it 15 years old now I'm not even sure how old uh, it is. First, probably think, yeah yeah you might be right <laughs> if you're really 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 famous author illustrators you don't have to worry about social media posting but unless you like to do it for fun, but you know, having all those different uh, platforms to promote yourself, everything in LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and and do it all to make people know about your work is really important. And also the for that very first book, if you are going to go traditional, make sure your contract is rock solid. Pay someone to look at that contract more, uh, but easier than that, if you join the ASA and use their legal service, yeah, they could look at it. They're familiar with most contracts, and there's certain things you could tweak in it from the number of copies of book you get for free to um, escalating royalties to so say the book is selling, um, sold out the first print run, the second print run, you can get higher royalty. But also there's other things like, oh, I just, this is something new I never had before, but my last book, this happened. If the book sells so many copies quickly, they give you another advance. Like, they, it's like, what's this for? They said, oh, because your book sold so fast, well, you, you're going to get this now. I was, I was like, okay, thank you. <laughs> um, so every, the really good way to make a living with a book is trying to also sell it overseas or to do something else with it, whether it's. A uh, monkey bar theater maybe will buy to perform it on stage, but you've kept the theater rights, or um, or spare parts. Maybe making the greeting cards, the postcards. Maybe make prints of the art if you're the illustrator, or maybe work with the illustrator if you're the author on that. And yeah, getting yourself out there. Yeah. Because sitting at home with your first book and doing nothing and not and getting reviews, you got to get reviews. Now every publisher traditional has a publicist 
But just say a typical publisher brings out, say, 25 books a year. That means they have two weeks. If there's 50 books that are coming out every year, that means they can dedicate two solid weeks to your book. That's it. Then your book's all news. They're on to the next one. So you have to keep your book alive by continuing promoting and doing special things. Just trying to think what else. And you would want to as well, because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's your book. You're helping yourself and your career. So, yeah, yeah, so just be creative, I suppose, all around. I think of different ways, like you said, all those specialist shops, uh, you know. Yeah, that's all fantastic advice. And a lot of authors and illustrators, we're not, we didn't get into this to be uh, entertainers or to be out there. I mean, I'd rather not happen to go out and do it, but I could be left behind in the dust. Yeah. Because yeah. Of, so, yeah, yeah. So if you're not comfortable it. public speaking or if you're not usual, you have to disassociate yourself from you, the creator, and you as you. Like, so Frenet Lessac, who's out there, I don't, that's person, I don't really know them. You know, there's, <laughs> there's this other alter, you know, this other person out there doing all that stuff. And if you really don't feel comfortable, then do, yourself, do a public speaking class, one, yeah. one off. Get your confidence uh, up. Yeah, I joined Toastmasters. Have you heard of them before? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, they're everywhere. Wow. And um, they're really good because um, I think there's a small fee membership and then a weekly meeting or something. And then you go there right. and, you, yeah, you stand up and practice each week how to speak. It's so good. <laughs> it is. It oh. is. It's so daunting. But, um, the- yeah, it's such good practice, so. Do you recommend that then? Oh, I definitely recommend that, yeah. That yeah. sounds fabulous. Yeah, yeah, no, it was. It was really good. I, I think, and that's worldwide mm, as well, um, Toastmasters. Yeah, I, I think, think the first – yeah, go ahead. No, you go, sorry. <laughs> okay, I think the first time I presented to a bunch of school kids, it was a pre-primary at my son's school before I ever did a public school visit ever, I think I cried. I got so nervous. I was like <laughs> – my lips started going – and uh, yeah, before or in front of the kids <laughs> no it was, they, I was talking to the parents oh right the parents sometimes are scarier and I I started my lips started going and I thought oh no I'm yeah. so nervous you know yeah. so and then you get your confidence and yeah you oh no thanks so, yeah. for thanks for sharing that it does it does help to know that everybody <laughs> sort of feels like oh a oh. fraud or at first but I mean oh. I, I've kind of started 50 out. books and I'm a fraud please <laughs> I've kind of started out talking to adults so the prospect of kind of going in to talk to children scares me more actually than speaking to adults for me yeah which is funny but like you said practice makes perfect and as time goes by and experience and things you'll you'll unlock that so that's good we'll just touch upon everybody's favorite time of year which is end of financial year tax time because again that comes into author income and something that we you know you have to do I guess if you're you're running an author business can you claim things like conferences and courses and research for your books or is stuff like that sort of null and void is it like anything that is kind of further you know as part of your business I suppose you need to either purchase books to do research or you do have to attend conferences not so much as a speaker but more to keep learning can you claim things like that at tax <laughs> absolutely yep. it's professional development okay. your taxis your airfare your accommodation your meals while you're interstate right all that is taxed about all your travel costs, you know, everything to do that. All your research reference material, every book, if you have to see a film, the magazine, all that is anything to do with postage and office supplies, you know, computer, 
Uh, if you have to upgrade your computer, if you need to get a microphone or, or for doing podcasts, you've been asked yes. to speak about the lighting, all that is tax deduct deductible. I'm just trying to think, um, travel costs, even to go to doing like a school visit, yeah, all that. Yeah. Now what's not tax deductible. And I think, Oh damn, is that <laughs> sometimes you're presenting and you need a new dress and you need to get your oh. hair done. <laughs> Because I had to buy a dress to, 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 for this event and I had to get my hair done for this event and a manicure, but not that stuff won't, won't do. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's anything to do like that, especially, uh, and you know, when you're buying books at a, someone else's book launch. That is tax deductible. Yeah. Well, I, I'm due like twenty thousand dollars then. <laughs> Sometimes you are you are due twenty thousand um, dollars. And the government used to have something which they don't. Uh, well, I don't know if they still do. It's worth trying. In the days when you were traveling overseas, is that it's export grant? It was if you're trying to take your stuff overseas and you went overseas to do meetings, try to get your work overseas, half of that back was tax deductible. Wow. Yeah. What about royalties? Is Are you already being taxed on that by the time you get paid? Or do you have to pay no, tax to, on that? No, you have to pay tax on that. And most awards are also, you have to pay tax on <gasps> the only, really? uh, The only, I think, award that's not taxable might be the Prime Minister's Award, maybe. Everything else you have to pay tax on. Oh, my but, gosh. Um, there was something else. Oh, royalties. The other thing is, you know, uh, a lot of people don't realize royalties, you only get paid twice a year. Oh, so, right. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. it's a counting period of six months, January to, to June, and then July 1st to December 30th. And you get the following six, sorry, uh, four months later. Right. It's only twice a year. In a way. And you have to keep back your advance as well. Oh. So they'll give you an advance, <laughs> and then you have to, that has to be paid out out of what you're going to get right. over those sales. I almost thought or had heard, I thought like advances were dead in the water. No, they're still going. You still get them. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. And if you try, I mean, there's no reason if you have an idea for a book that you don't initiate it, that doesn't have to initiate in Australia. You could try to sell it to an American publisher and you'll probably get 10 times more for the advance. Because that might be the only money you ever see. If that book doesn't sell, yeah. you're not, you're not going to pay back your advance and they're not going to claim it yeah. from you. I, I almost think the getting the royalties two times a year, although that sounds really tight, like for budget, and at least you know that rather than all these little bits of money trickling in I don't know how you would yeah, yeah. sort of live yeah. off <laughs> which yeah. would be crazy and things like obviously you're speaking in places and and we'll go to the festivals and all that sort of stuff and so you have to keep tax aside from your gigs kind of thing so yeah, you get paid I'm... yep hmm. I've got to say I have to put a disclaimer I'm not an accountant yeah yeah I'm not a publisher yeah. So everything I'm saying here is just from experience, but yeah. I do know that we have an ABN. We're registered for GST. Yeah. Yep. So we have to claim, um, you, we have to put in for GST. So when we get right. to school visit, there's GST, and then we have to do all that uh, yep. quarterly, a GST. So that's the other thing. If you're going to start this career, um, take it seriously as an author, get a business, get a website, get an ABN. Be all set up to go. I think you have to be earning a certain amount a year or over that threshold you have to have an ABN. I'm not sure. As yeah. I said, I'm not an accountant. Yeah, so then you can claim this back. So I don't know if you're not registered a business, if you could claim all these things back. 
No, I probably not. If you're not registered or anything like that and you're not you haven't used the ABN, I wouldn't imagine. So yeah. I don't know. That's a really good question to find out, Joanne, whether yeah. if you're not registered for GST, whether um I mean as a business, whether your travel expenses and your office supplies and your postage and your professional development, whether it's a write off mm. should be. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, eh? yeah. Yes, it's not the fun side of it, but it is a side of it that does need to be addressed. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So you're, you're mostly, tr- well, you are a traditionally published author, illustrator. Uh, what are your thoughts on independent publishing? And, and you, you obviously touched on saying, you know, the rights had come back to you with some of your books and things. Yeah, I mean, how do you feel about the whole independent publishing world? Well, it's getting more and more popular. Um, people are able to do their own work and get it out there, which gives them credibility as far as to have some product to sell. But my thoughts on it is because I have a garage full of books that we've got the rights back and then we've reprinted ourselves, like self-publishers, yep. to try to move those books. Oh, my it's God, hard. it's hard work. We did have a list of the distributors where the books originally were. But a lot of us have, have died. You know, they dried up and they closed down and they don't take that many. And you spend a lot of time making phone calls and then chasing up invoices and, you know, the different voice. Sometimes I used a different name. Hi, this is Susie from RP <laughs> <Art> Publishers. <laughs> Just because I you know, different. But um, so, okay. So if you're going to independently self-publish, my big thing is get an independent editor. Yeah. Get someone, not a friend, a real editor to look at this thing. Because friends and family are not going to tell you it's ready to go. It's brilliant. A lot of these companies, they give, they offer you illustrators. And sometimes you look at the illustrations and you go, Wah. you know, they're just like, oh, atrocious. Yeah. Um, so if you can get your own illustrator and work together and they know. But then again, there's that flat fee thing. Yep. It's hard to ask that illustrator to give up their copyright and say, here, I'm going to pay you a flat fee to illustrate my book. So that has yeah. to be all worked out. Yeah. Whether maybe both of you together go into this together and yeah. you each had to keep your own copyright and you split the cost of printing it. My biggest thing about uh, independent publishing or self-publishing is you have to have distribution set in place. There are distribution companies across Australia that will, if, if they could see an early copy, a PDF or something, they might like, they might take twenty thousand copies, or you know, or take five thousand or a thousand, and where you go, and you can yep. you can uh, put that into your print costs, and your your print costs are going to go lower. Yep. So that's really important as well to know where your books are going to be. Few people make the mistake of self publishing a book, and then they go, okay, now what? How do I get it into a bookshop? Yeah. And the bookshops, you know, they don't, they're, they're working with reps. And yeah. unless your book is exquisitely beautiful and well done with quality, they yeah. might not take it. And they might take two copies, sell or return. Yeah. How, how long do um, traditional publishing books stay in like um, bookstores for? Have they got oh, a, yeah, a couple of weeks or? <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe about two, three months. And if right. they don't sell, they might send them back. Uh, but uh, if they're selling, do they? Shelf life. Right. If they're selling, do they order more and they stay in? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh. And every book is uh, dependent on what your last book did. So if you did an amazing uh, book and you have the next one, they're very keen to have you have the next one. But if your other first book flopped, they might say, oh, well, that person's book didn't really do that well. So I don't know if I'll take any copies. I'm just trying to think what else about self-publishers. I'd be 
these companies that that agree to make your books, you really got to read the fine print on them. They say, look, we're going to put your book, we're going to promote it, we're going to do this and that, and really read the fine print. Do you have to buy your own copies? Do you have to put any money into these companies? Do you... What is the copyright that they're going to hold on you? Is there fine print on that? Yes. So I'd be so careful with, I really look through it with a magnifying glass. Oh, I have one right here. (laughs) All the clauses in that contract for if you're self-publishing with one of these companies that are offering you a package deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And have it, they'll say they'll distribute it, but. They're not, you know, they might be in, they might be in America, they might be in the UK, they might be in some foreign country. Uh, how are they going to do that? Um, now, print on demand is a whole other thing, and yeah. there's some great companies doing that, mm. and you have so much control over that. Yeah, you mentioned yeah. Ingram, yeah, and some other ones. Yeah, yeah, no, there is um, some good ones there, so you can obviously put the product in. Um, it's it is good quality. Some of the stuff that's coming coming out. Yeah. Um, oh, beautiful. But- um, I don't know if you saw, I haven't got it behind me, but Rebecca Lafar smiths new book, actually, it's on my bedside table, uh, Spirit Talker. The, the quality of that, the cover, oh my gosh, it was just And was that beautiful. Ingram? That was Ingram. Yeah, yeah. It's right. a good company. They're Ingram, doing so. beautiful work. Mm. So I, I'd go with that way, with a really good editor. Yeah. And figure out a distribution plan. Yeah. Rather than hooking up with some, one of these companies that say they're going to do everything. And, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I yeah. don't know what the quality. I'm not sure, yeah. but I could be all wrong. That's a yeah. whole field for. I think it'd be great. I don't know if you spoke to anybody who does it and how it's working out for them or not. Um, I I haven't ever used a company that does um all. Oh, this your one stop shop. I I do have an editor and I do have a cover designer and I go through like Ingram and stuff and and do it that way. But yeah. I know I think Steve Heron has used some of these companies and um yeah, yeah. I think he was saying some of them. Yes, yeah, so same thing. I think. Some some are good, some some you need to be yeah. wary of. Well, yeah. Yeah, there's one I'm curious about that I know a lot of people that I here in West Australia are using and I want to see what their contracts are like. Just to see that these people our colleagues aren't getting ripped off. So I yeah. asked them about it, you know, sort of what their contractual terms and they refused to give me any information. And I thought that was a bit weird. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Time will tell. Yeah. So just be wary then. (laughs) Yeah. Be careful. That's all. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Franny, for your time and expertise. It's just absolutely blown me away. Um, So where can our listeners source your millions of books (laughs) in store and and online? Online's easy. Franny Lesak. Just Google that. Booktopia Fish Pond. But um, in America too, the Amazon and Book Depository. But Local bookshops should have at least one of my titles, you would think. Uh, ten of my books are out of print, but most of them are still available. But uh, yeah, so. Fantastic. Oh, well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Joanne. So there you have it, folks. Franny Lassac and all things author income. So I hope you found Frenna's tips there useful. I certainly am blown away and absolutely inspired by her experience and guidance. It's fantastic. So I hope you enjoyed that too. Next time on the Hybrid Author Podcast, 
it's an episode for myself and I will be talking about the ELR and PLR lending rights which we've heard a little bit about from past guests as well as Franny herself. So that's next time. That's the end for now authors. I hope you are further forward in your author adventure after listening and I hope you'll listen next time. Remember to head on over to the Hybrid Author website at www.hybridauthor.com.au to get your free author pass. It's bye for now.
So there you have it folks, Frené Lissac and all things author income. So I hope you found Frené's tips there useful. I certainly am blown away and absolutely inspired by her experience and guidance. It's fantastic. So I hope you enjoyed that too. Next time on the Hybrid Author Podcast, it's an episode from myself and I will be talking about the ELR and PLR lending rights, which we've heard a little bit about from past guests as well as Frané herself. So that's next time. I hope you have a great couple of weeks and stay safe. Hello authors and welcome to the podcast. I hope you're all keeping well wherever you're listening in this world. So my personal updates this week. I haven't done a lot of sitting down and writing. It's mainly been the dictation on my travel slash commute to work. And I have been focusing on a picture book idea that I had last year and just kind of trying to flesh out the character and work on some of the feedback I received from one of our lovely past guests, Jeanette Stamponi. But that's really been about it. I have started to think about what work I'm going to put forward for an Australian Society of Authors mentorship. Now, the mentorship is open until the 31st of January. And I'm thinking I've got a couple of works ready to go and just thinking which one of those I'm going to put in as you can only put one per category. So wish me luck and I'll keep you updated there. So you can now support the podcast over at buymeacoffee.com or as always, leave me a review on whatever platform you listen to and that will help me in the rankings and for other people to find the podcast. So without further ado, let's get on with the episode.